everyone. Welcome to another episode of Untempered. I'm so, so glad to be back. I haven't been gone that long, but it's been two weeks without an episode and I'm very, very sorry for that. I was taking some time to just kind of breathe and evaluate everything going on in my life. And I'm very glad that you guys showed so much support when I said that I wasn't going to be putting out an episode. The answers that I got and the lovely supportive statements that I got were so, so nice on DM. So thank you so much. I am still just starting. This is my first season. So your support means a lot to me. And please do follow the podcast on Spotify or on the channel that you're listening to, because then you get notifications when I do post an episode. I do plan to post an episode weekly, but I'm going to tell you now why I didn't post last week. Um, Yeah, so here we go. So guys, I don't want this to be a sad episode, and I promise I'm not going to make it a depressing episode. But I got to say, things have been really hard lately. I don't want to come in here and parade around any kind of fake happiness or pretend like, you know, I've got my shit together. I don't. I'm really struggling recently. And um, I've not only just personally, but also my relationship. Um, We've been finding it really hard, Oliver and I, to just kind of compute how to move forward And um, I don't want to say anything else, but it was really, really hard. The last two weeks have been some of the hardest in our lives, we could say. And um, all we can do is really just try to communicate as much as possible and actually communicate within ourselves as in like basically be very honest with ourselves whenever we need some time to just breathe, to meditate, to um, isolate, you know, briefly to kind of catch our breath and just... Um, balance emotions before we attack each other or kind of deal with anything at the peak of emotion. Um, This is something I've always struggled with, but I feel like when I'm in an argument, if I'm at the peak of a really heightened emotion like anger or sadness, then I say things that I don't mean and I end up hurting people that I don't want to hurt. So it's very important to, and I've learned this in, in therapy, it's very important to recognize when this peak is happening and to basically take a moment say, look, I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt you right now. I am feeling this emotion and I don't want to unpack everything we're talking about now. Can we please unpack this later? Give me a moment to breathe and then I will be back. So that's something that we really have been trying to do the last two weeks. We've been talking a lot about our future and about how we're going to be able to be more communicative. Even though I'm living in Dubai, he works in the UK. We're apart a lot, so we tend to um, disconnect quite often. And so we're constantly trying to find the way or just kind of the routine to make it work for Cali where we're not disconnected from each other and arguing all the time. So this is all I'm going to say for now. Right now, this is the most time that we need to be as private as possible and not go around and parade our problems to the rest of the world because everybody's going to have an opinion and everyone's going to want to interject. And this is actually what inspired today's episode. I wrote down some things in my journal and I was reading them again. Yes, I do read my journal over and over. And actually, I find it so interesting to re-read my entries because I realized the state of mind that I was in and I understand a little bit more about the way that I verbalize experiences. So anyway, I was reading my journal and I realized that um, there was a moment last week where I really felt like everything was just too much. I was extremely overwhelmed 
And I basically felt like the whole world was closing in on me, like I can't do anything right. My perfectionism was completely at a red alert. I felt like nothing I was doing was was right or, or good enough and basically felt like I was caged inside my own brain. And this feeling has happened to me before. And usually the way that I used to deal with something like that is I used to isolate a lot and not in a good way. I used to isolate in a in a way that wasn't brief. I would I would literally just go into a hole. I would hibernate. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't communicate with friends. I would just say that I'm okay and I would just like spend all day in bed, you know, watching reruns of things I've already watched. And so this year and last year, I've been doing a lot of inner work. Um, with my therapist and trying to find a healthier way to deal with situations like this. And I wrote this down in my journal and it was with the help of my therapist, but I really found as I was reading it, I was like, wow, I really need to share this because these are such, such important points. And they really have helped me so much. I'm telling you not just by advice, but also by experience that this really will work. So In this episode, I'm going to tell you 10 things that have absolutely changed my life and how these things have helped me deal with everything when it just all feels too much. So here we go. One of the most important things that I have found when I'm in a low spot mentally and um, this might be personal to me. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I tend to always usually just gravitate. This is my my original mistake was that I just gravitate to people in general because I don't want to be alone. And then I vent to the wrong people. And I think, well, wait a minute, I'm surrounding myself by a friendship group. So I should be feeling supported and happy and uplifted. But what I have learned in my experience with therapy and now my experience with people in general is that it's really important to choose the people that you are surrounding yourself with when you're at a low spot. And I mean this directly as in, yes, it is okay to avoid people who do such things as A, hijack your problems. Have you ever had that where somebody in the middle of you telling them a story or telling them an issue that you have, go, oh my God, yes, that's happened to me. And then they continue on to tell their story about something. So that is what I call hijacking a problem. And to me, problem hijackers, (laughs) I like calling them that, problem hijackers can be actually really a bad um, ground for you to be spilling out all your personal deepest issues to. It's, It's not a healthy, safe environment. It will make you feel more reclused and defensive. And you'll just kind of lose trust in people in general. You'll be like, why am I sharing this with you when you really aren't listening? You're just trying to instantly relate or tell me that you've been through something similar or worse, which never helps the issue. So yeah, I hate to be around problem hijackers. And even though they could be friends They could be close to you, whatever. They could be a sibling. It could be a parent. You do have to recognize that maybe they just don't know how to deal with the issue and they're trying to relate and that's okay. It doesn't make them a bad person, but it gives you the absolute right to separate yourself from that person momentarily or choose when to or what to share with them. 
I don't like when people are sitting there and basically listening to my problem just so that they can tell me theirs. I think that that's really not the right kind of friendship that you need to be around if everything is feeling a little bit too much. So I would say this is one of the most important things that I have done in the past, which is just choose wisely on who you're going to tell all of this stuff to and who you trust with something super deep. For example, the first time I ever shared anything about my childhood trauma was with a friend back in LA. And actually, we ended up having a fight four years later And somehow everybody in the town that I lived in ended up finding out some things that I just didn't want anybody to know. And while she gave me the excuse of, oh, but I was drunk and I thought that everybody knew because you've shared it one time on your blog or whatever, it doesn't matter. You don't have the right to share my news with anyone. It is my issue. It's my thing that I'm presenting to you. It should be in a safe space and it shouldn't be spread around. That's something super important to me. So if I ever now... I'm venting to somebody. I'm always making sure and choosing that these people are the correct people to be doing that with. So that was the first one. The second one is, I wrote this down and I'm going to tell you exactly what I wrote down. I wrote removing spikes. What I mean by that, I don't mean like physical spikes of like walking on bear traps. No, I mean mental spikes. So again, from experience, something that I used to do, which is basically chasing dopamine. So whenever I was feeling really depressed or down, what I would do is like go out with a friend and get a drink. Now, we all know that alcohol is a depressant. And in the beginning of drinking a drink, you always feel high and nice and chirpy and happy and positive and loose. But the problem is what goes up must come down. And what always ends up happening is I end up feeling 10 times worse, and now I'm struggling even more. My problems aren't solved. I feel more lonely. I feel more in distress. And I actually, with alcohol, when it does depress you, I find that you get to this place where you're not capable of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know if you've experienced this before, but that's how I feel with it. So Every time I always wanted something to kind of fix things rather than doing something that was a little bit more balanced, like for example, going on a hike, going on a walk. And by the way, I used to get so mad when people would be like, have you tried going on a walk? I had had a couple therapists tell me that, but I used to get so mad. I'm like, don't tell me to go on a goddamn walk. Like, you don't think I've tried that? But the truth is, no, I haven't. When I was feeling low, usually the, the safe space for me is under my bed sheets or on my couch and with you know emotional eating and just kind of like staying away from the from the wild from the outdoors <laughs> so now i'm thinking i've also learned that the dopamine that i'm getting from alcohol or from any other spike sometimes even skydiving like if i skydive in a bad mental spot when i get home i crash 10 times harder so i've felt like the only way to deal with this is to remove all spikes of all mental spikes, any kind of emotional state that isn't balanced and natural, that is basically induced by an extra variable like alcohol or um, I don't want to say pills, but I don't know what you go to if you want to take a muscle relaxer or whatever. All those things, you have to remember that what goes up must come down. And in the end, you're not going to be feeling clearer. You're not going to be sleeping better. You're not going to be relaxed and even though you believe that you are at that time, you're just going to crash a billion times harder and then you'll be back in the same spot, if not worse. 
So I've written down removing spikes for that very reason. And I would say my vice is I would say I am a stressed out drinker. So if I do feel stressed out, I'll come back home, I'll have a glass of wine and I'll, I'll eat. And when I have wine, I eat even 10 times more than I usually would. So here I am overeating and drinking alcohol. So my gut health is, and if you've watched this episode that I did, the second episode, um, that one we did with Mary Christine, your gut health is literally directly related to your mental health. So the more crappy, bloated, and icky you feel, the more depressed and dark and kind of gray you're going to feel. And this is 100% from experience. This is a fact, you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that was another thing that I had written down. So moving on to the next one. This one is very interesting. I wrote down enjoy stillness. And I did kind of do a little bit of a recap on this last week, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, my last episode. I really stressed about how much I hated to be alone and how I've had to teach myself to be alone. And this is something that I'm going to just have to say again, because it is one of the most I would say probably top three of everything I've ever learned in my life was you need to learn to be alone and love being alone. And by that, I mean being alone and enjoying reading a book by yourself without anybody there, without people, without distractions, like just sitting by yourself. So this I highlighted in my journal as enjoy your stillness. And the stillness is what I'm very much stressing here is like being able to be alone in silence is actually some of the most, you can have some of the most healing times in this. And that's what we talked about last time, which is being at peace in your solitude. So that's something that I obviously find very important because this is, I've written this in my journal. So those are my top three. And now I'm going to move on to the next ones. The next one I wrote down, which is very interesting. I wrote, choose bright music. And I don't know about this with you or how you guys feel, but I always feel like if I'm sad, then I put on a sad song and I kind of let my emotions out. But I am learning now that it's actually the environment around you. If you can control the upbeatness, which is not a word, but if you can control the vibe around you by putting on brighter music, opening doors, having fresh air come in, it literally all those tiny little things help so much. They help you see the world in a brighter um, glass. And, you know, yes, sad songs, sometimes they make me cry. And then I feel like, oh, I've had a good cry. I feel better. But in the same thing is like, how is your mental state after doing this thing? Are you feeling better after crying or are you feeling more shitty? And usually if I I'm listening to sad music and I'm choosing to just put on really brokenhearted music in the background. After a good cry, I'm still depressed and I still feel awful. So now I'm forcing myself, even though I do want to kind of let it out, I'm forcing myself to put on like peaceful meditation music or sound frequency music with a positive, upbeat vibe. And that has made such a big difference. And then I start to find myself, rather than sulking and sitting down and doing nothing, I found myself actually being productive. Like I was walking around the house and I was cleaning and I found that I was like, okay, organizing Callie's toys, like doing little things that made me feel a little bit more at peace and productive rather than depressed and sulking. So I, I know why I wrote down Choose Bright Music and it makes total sense. So that was my experience with that. 
this this next one is so simple and sounds so stupid, but you don't understand the importance of it. It is drink more water. I actually listened to a very, very enlightening uh, podcast before and somebody asked a question. They said, okay, if I want to lose weight now and I don't, the, what's the simplest thing that I want to do to make my body in a better state to start losing weight or in a better uh, position to start losing weight or becoming more fit? And the answer to that, it was like a doctor of something. I don't know. It was a doctor. But anyway, he said, drink more water. Just start drinking water. When you, Water is used in your body to fix literally everything. So as long as you just understand that you keeping hydrated is literally going to start to make you feel lighter and lighter and lighter. I wrote that down. I wrote, drink more water, Nyla, <laughs> and have smaller meals. I think that feeling over bloated and over Eating sometimes really for me comes when you're overindulging and there's a, a there's a secret reason for that. It's most of the time it's because I feel awful mentally and I just overindulge, I over snack, and then I don't drink as much water. So those two together really did make a massive difference. I felt like if I drank water a lot before going to bed and sometimes even in my sleep, sometimes like I'll wake up, I'll go to the bathroom, I'll have a sip of water. And then in the morning, I'll have a lot. And then I looked at the jug and I was having half a liter only at night, which is really, really good. The biggest impact I felt from that was that I was waking up lighter on my feet. I felt lighter. I felt like I actually also ate less. I didn't feel as hungry the more hydrated I was, which was so incredible to know. And no one has ever told me, like, if you're hungry, sometimes your body thinks you're hungry, but actually you're just dehydrated. That I have proven to myself. So I say drink water and have smaller meals. That is huge. Oh, and then the next one is also really cool and really interesting. And Mary Christine also talked about this in the second episode of our podcast. In the, the last episode I did with her, fasting. Fasting to remove toxins. Mary Christine spoke about this. And this is, again, something that I did try and did make a huge difference in my life. Basically, when I started to decide to do this, I started by intermittent fasting, which means I moved my meal. My last meal used to always be at like nine o'clock. I started to eat my last meal at seven. And usually I wake up with Callie at seven, 7.30. So my last meal would be at seven o'clock. And then I would wake up seven, 7.30. So that's already 12 hours with my body not getting any input put into it. Like my body is not getting anything. It's just having time to heal, process, digest everything and, and, and basically rebuild. So something really interesting that Mary did say was when your body is digesting, that actually forgets about a lot of other processes, which is why sometimes if you're drinking and your body is processing the alcohol, if you eat, you feel indigestion at the same time. And that happens with me a lot. If I have too much wine while I'm eating, I feel like my body's trying to, struggling to do both at the same time. So fasting was a, another thing that I started to do that made me, again, get the desired effect of what? Feeling lighter on my feet. So I was fasting for 12 hours at first. Then I started pushing it to 15 and it started getting easier and easier as I did it. And now naturally I eat my last meal at seven o'clock and now I do Callie's breakfast in the morning. So 7.30, I get up with her. I do my breakfast in the morning and then I have my coffee and then I don't really eat anything until about 10 o'clock. So that's about 15 or 16 hours. The fasting part 
again, really, really helped me so much feel lighter on my feet, which helped me wake up in a better mood or wake up and have the ability to be able to be in a better mood because I'm not full bloated from last night. I'm not overly stuffed. I'm not craving anything fatty because I've had smaller meals and a healthier diet the day before. That is vital. So I really do recommend fasting. If you can do your research on it, 100% try it and start with intermittent fasting and then build yourself up to it. Now, another one is taking up an activity that makes you take a break from your own thoughts. Those are the exact words I wrote. Take up an activity that makes you take a break from your own thoughts. And this is so, so crazy because I don't know about you, but I feel like my thoughts are my worst, absolute worst enemy. I can literally talk myself into a fake scenario of just depression, sadness, anger. I will literally, my brain is so creative into creating these scenarios like of of things that didn't actually happen, that could happen, and then I start to worry, but it's all about things that haven't actually taken place. I am extremely talented in that. (laughs) And so... What I did write down about the take up an activity, that was, I remember exactly when I wrote that down. That was when my therapist was like, you need to shut your brain off, but not when you go and just sleep, like actually be awake conscious and do something where your brain is not having the time to make up scenarios, to overthink, to overworry. And for me, that was reading. And The biggest thing with reading is because I have ADD and because I get easily distracted, I realized that the only way that this was absolutely my activity that makes me not overthink was if I read out loud. So when I wasn't reading out loud, I was getting easily distracted. I was kind of jumping kind of like tasks and be like, oh, I'm going to read this chapter and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I literally found myself like barely getting through a page. And I was like, gosh, maybe this just isn't for me. And then... I started reading out loud so I can hear my voice and I was able to focus on the material a lot better. And now, whenever I feel like my brain has 10,000 voices, they're all telling me things that just are in no way, shape, or form um, productive or healthy for me to think about. I grab a book and most of the time I like to read self-improvement books. I like to read psychology. You might like novels, whatever it is that you you know that you're actually interested in and you can indulge in. Do it and just remember to be conscious of your brain getting sidetracked and getting off off topic or off keys, what they say. So again, these are things that I wrote that have helped me and that's why I'm sharing them. Counseling and therapy. And this is absolutely vital, of course, I think. I think in this day and age, you can get your counseling and therapy without spending hundreds of dollars. There are apps like BetterHelp. There are online forums where you can at least share your story anonymously and have people respond. You can talk to doctors. You don't actually, because I do get this a lot and I get it on DMs. It's like, what if I can't afford therapy? I think even if you can't afford therapy, you can definitely find a way to get your type of counseling online or from any other platform that doesn't require you to have heavy, uh, to have intense insurance or, or any of that stuff. So 
definitely prioritize counseling and therapy and don't make excuses on why you can't get counseling and therapy. There are ways, um, I know here in the UK, even the NHS, they provide um, counseling over the phone. When I was uh, postpartum, I think it was like two or three months, I was offered a midwife to just come in, check on me, talk to me, ask me how I'm doing. And it's your job to be honest with them. Do not do the hypothetical, pushing things under the, what my therapist always called it, is a hypothetical rug. Pushing things under the rug doesn't work. It's not a thing. There's a hypothetical rug, which means it does not actually exist. And you're literally only making a rod for your own back because all of that stuff is going to come back up. So I say prioritize counseling and therapy as much as you can and don't make excuses for why you can't do it. Trust me, there are ways you will find them and you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be, I'm not rich. I found a way to find to, to, to get therapy. I had to put myself on a waiting list in LA and I was able to get free therapy. If I waited for a couple of weeks, fine. It was worth the wait. Um, I found support groups. Um, you have to take in whatever knowledge, whatever possible things you can actually dig yourself into and include yourself in that make you feel like you're part of a community or that you're supported. So I think that's very, very important. The last one is write down positive things. And again, this is one of those things where my um, counselor would tell me to do and I pushed back on it for so long. I used to always be like, that's so stupid. Like, I don't want to write things. Like, I'm struggling to write. I hate my handwriting. That was something I struggled with, which is like, I would see my handwriting and I really didn't like it. So I would just give up. And that's the perfectionism that is like drilled in me. But then I started to make peace with it and it took me a long time and I'm hoping that me sharing this with you will inspire you to do it. But I got a journal and I would write simple things, like just positive, simple things. Like for example, I would say, Callie said her first word today or Callie ran today for the first time and jumped over a little step. She's never done that before. And that made me super happy. And then I would start to write things about my own mental state that were positive things that day. I woke up today on a, I with, woke up without my alarm today and I felt good this morning. And very very simple things like that and then you can evolve them into bigger things and happier things. I am grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my support system. I'm grateful for my other half. I have the ability to have health insurance and I am healthy. Um I'm not sick, you know. All these things, trust me, when you go back to reread and you're feeling low, you'll feel yourself disconnect from that disgusting, terrible, downward spiral. And you look at these positive things and because they're written down, when you write things down, you're literally directly connecting them to your brain. You're telling your brain what you're writing down a lot more in, 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 a, in a better impactful way than just saying them out loud. So writing down things in a journal has actually genuinely changed my life. And now I'm getting to read them back and I'm sharing them with you. And as I'm sharing them with you, I'm feeling like I'm having my own little therapy session today because I'm remembering a lot of these things that, you know, sometimes you forget when you're feeling low, nothing comes up into your head except for negative thoughts and writing down positive things. Wow. Such a big impact. I found actually being sat alone in silence, being still, being peaceful, and writing down just positive things. Anything simple that you can just, you know, 
um, recite to yourself and put it down into words, that made such a huge impact. And meditating, I mean, also, same thing. I struggled with meditating for years. I never could sit down and meditate. I could hear my thoughts as if it was like 10 people yelling behind me. And slowly but surely, as much as as consistent as you can stay, you could literally start with just two or three minutes of stillness and trying to meditate. I find it really helpful to have sound frequency in the background um, and peaceful like meditation sounds. I have it on my Spotify playlist. And um, I think the place is actually called Peaceful Meditation. I put that in the background and I try to quiet my thoughts. And slowly but surely, as time went by, I went from three minutes to five minutes to eight minutes. And it literally built up slowly that now I know that I can go into a place where I could at least quiet my thoughts for a short amount of time and take that little time to reset and recharge. And there's nothing more rewarding for our mind than taking the moment to just stop, freeze, literally freeze everything and help your brain come out of the negative, come into the positive. You sound, you you start to feel yourself take deeper breaths and every breath feels like it's filling up your lungs more and more. And with every breath, then you feel lighter and lighter and lighter. So please meditate, you guys. Please try and listen to, to, to some peaceful meditation music when you're feeling low. We've been there. Everybody just struggling. Doesn't make anybody worse, lesser, nothing. Everybody is struggling through some shit right now. I'm obviously one of them. It's very obvious. But it is, without a doubt, a chance for me to share with you these things and hopefully make your day a little bit better as this did help me a little bit today to, I've always said that this podcast is kind of like my own university. I feel like I am in a class that's being just kind of like sharing. And even though nobody's responding back to me, I feel a little bit lighter and a little bit more um, at ease after recording these episodes. So I really hope that that did the same thing to you. Let me give you a little life update. So I'm going back to Dubai in two weeks. I was supposed to stay in the UK for another month, but I've found it's a lot better for me to be away from the rain and the crappy weather. Uh, that's just one other variable that really um, is, when it when is added to my life, I find it really hard to go on with the days. So because the weather really has been... Uh, challenging for me. I decided I'm going to go back to Dubai. So Callie and I will be going back to Dubai in two weeks, which is super exciting because that means I am back to my studio. I am going to be interviewing some amazing guests this the rest of this year. We have some, we have an incredible lineup. Honestly, I can't wait to share this with you. But this summer, I actually found it so great to connect with you on a solo episode level. Um, I'm really liking these these solo episodes. So um, this might be my last solo episode. I don't know. But I promise you that the rest of the year is going to be incredible. The people that are going to join us in the studio are just amazing. So please do follow the podcast if you're enjoying these episodes. That way you get notifications and you show me some support. And I promise you guys are going to absolutely love the content that is coming. So 
hope this made your day. I hope this influenced you in a positive way. Thank you so much for listening. And I will hopefully see you next week. Don't forget to prioritize your mental health. And um, I'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.